The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. With your host, Jamie Dew. Chief Librarian, Thomas Senna. And featuring, Matt Ardill. And now, Curator of the Hall, Jamie Dew. Thank you, Doug Denance. Thank you so much for introducing me as the host and curator of the SNL Hall of Fame and Hall of Fame podcast. Oh, wait a minute. Those are my responsibilities and roles. Oh. <laughs> the weight of the world is heavy on my back because the SNL Hall of Fame waits for no one. And uh, dirty feet are not allowed, so please wipe your feet as you enter the hall. The SNL Hall of Fame podcast is a weekly affair. Each week we take a deep dive into the career of a former cast member, host, musical guest, or writer, and add them to the ballot for your consideration. Once the 30 nominees have been announced, we turn to you, the listener, to vote for the most deserving and determine who will be enshrined for perpetuity. This week, you know, I, I was really thinking as uh, I was listening to this episode, this conversation between uh, Thomas Senna and John Schneider, and as I was listening to uh, listening back to Matt's Minutia Minute, uh, you know, it really got me thinking, this is my cohort. Uh, Kristen Wiig was born in 73. I'm born in 74. You know, the cast that she uh, took part in was really an important one for me because it, you know, it was one that I could uh, directly relate to. I was pursuing comedy at the time. Uh, I went to LA and uh, tried out for the groundlings. Uh, I, you know, it's a, it's a course, so you have to audition and then you go through the course and then there's a lot more before you get on the main stage. Let me let me make that very clear. I did not go down to audition for the main stage. I was, uh, please let me into level one. And they did. And that was great. And we would go uh, occasionally and watch shows. And it wasn't until years later that I looked back on my program. And Kristen Wiig was a main stager at the time that I was uh, down there. And so was Melissa McCarthy. Uh, so both of them were, um, you know, busy entertaining us on the stage uh, and entertain us. They did. Kristen Wiig went on, as we know, to join SNL. And now here she is all grown up being nominated for the SNL hall of fame. This is really cool. She's a first ballot hall of famer. I don't need to say much more, but we're going to hear a lot more, 
from Thomas talking to the Grand Poobah over there at the Saturday Night Network, John Schneider. And um, it's a lovely conversation. But before that, let's check in for his Minutia Minute. Uh, let's talk to our friend, Matt. Matt, I noticed you've been uh, hanging around the llama exhibit in the Hall of Fame uh, a, a little bit recently. What do you have to say for yourself, young man? Hey, I like an alpaca. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, listen. Um, we're here inside Matt's Minutia Minute, and uh, I'd love to know what we're talking about this week. Today, we are talking about impressionist extraordinaire Kristen Wiig. Um, you know, one she, of my favorites. She is. She is just a powerhouse, uh, one of the great talents. Uh, I, 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 fig- I truly believe that era, starting around her, her cadre of performers, uh, was really like the start of a golden era for SNL casts. I know some purists and old school fans uh, might have words for me, but... Uh, you know, I've been there since the beginning. I've been watching since the 70s. And, and I really feel like this last decade has had some great performers. And she was one of them. Um, yeah, born August 22nd, 1973. Her first season, uh, November 12th, 2005. Uh, and her so she started alongside Bill Hader, Andy Samberg, and Jason Sudeikis. Uh, she was, you know, there with Seth and Finesse and Tina. Uh, amazing cast. They, she, a bunch of people she's continued to collaborate with. Uh, her final episode uh, was May 19th, 2012, uh, season 37, uh, along with Fred, uh, Abby Elliott, Bill Hader, Seth, Bobby Moynihan, uh, Nassim Pedrad, uh, Andy Samberg, Jason Sudeikis. Um, so it was... It was just a great cast. Uh, so she, it feels like she did more, but she only did eight seasons. Um, but I think that might be for the fact that, you know, at one point in season 34, she had done 124 uh, sketches. Uh, so that's like at the halfway mark. Uh, I'm going to have to make it my mission to go through and watch all of it because the numbers are very sketchy. I don't have the exact numbers. So I have at her halfway point in her career, she was doing 124 sketches. She was averaging 5.8 sketches per episode, uh, which is just bonkers. That is that is so much work for a live sketch show to be bouncing from act to act to act like that. Um, yeah, and I mean, she has great impersonations. Uh, you know, Liza Minnelli, Bjork, uh, Susie Orman, uh, bang on. Like, I love her Bjork. It's just... yes. It's so bonkers, but it really captures the essence of Bjork. Oh, my swan dress! I had a friend make it! It's just, like, so perfect. Um, yeah, but and then she also has great original characters, like Gilly and Aunt Linda. Target Lady, which she brought in. Um, you know, she was... Uh, she brought that in. She was a groundling uh, who auditioned for a Mad TV. Uh, but her manager's like, Go for SNL. You can get this. Just go for it. So she submitted a tape, had Target Lady on it, and you know was was hired. Uh, you know from that tape. Um, you know she became a full member in season thirty-two and is just being 
going like crazy. Uh, she's hosted four times, done uh, cameos on seven episodes, um, and she's one of a handful of SNL cast that's actually been impersonated by other SNL cast members. She's been impersonated twice. Um, but yeah, she, and she's got an incredible track record. She's 107 appearances on screen, including multiple appearances as Vicky St. Elmo on the MacGruber film and television series. Um, she's starred in Bridesmaids, uh, along with SNL colleagues. Uh, you know, she, she, she's even been in a DC movie as Cheetah. So, I mean, she, she's done a lot of amazing things. And, and I will say this too, another thing that could cause controversy, I liked her reboot of Ghostbusters. reverence like that's kind of from what you you were saying like your era so can you set the stage for where the show was uh, when Kristen debuted that was in season 31 i definitely can i will preface all my comments by saying that <laughs> through my experience talking with people in the snl community Kristen wig seems to be much more controversial i would say of a, as an snl cast member than i would have ever expected you know coming in maybe as more of a casual originally when watching her time on the show and i don't mean controversy like Kristen has done anything off the show that would be worth you know making a controversy over i just mean like as far as people's opinions on her they're widely polarizing which is extremely surprising to me i sort of feel that maybe like you know like it's kind of like a love-hate situation where you either absolutely love everything she did or she graded on you and that that was not my experience so i mean and, and no matter how you feel about it you can't knock i mean just the incredible amount of characters impressions stats that she put up on the show to me she is an all-time great cast member probably top five at the worst top 10 and she i we're going to talk about it when, once i sum it up basically but i really think that she did a lot for that era of the show and doesn't get the proper you know 10 years later doesn't necessarily get the proper reverence in my opinion but at the time certainly did so anyways we can debate all that but season 31 uh she comes into the show and is brought on around the same time as you know sudeikis was brought on previous spring we had bill Hader and andy sandberg be brought on right at the beginning of the season and kristen wig comes on season 31 actually in november of 2005 so started with that jason lee episode and She's basically coming on to me, in my opinion, Thomas, as in this era of like amazing women on SNL, you know, not to take anything away from uh, Sherry O'Terry and Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer, who I really feel like sort of changed the game for women on SNL. But it was that next era with Rachel Dratch, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Maya Rudolph, that sort of like put their foot down as like women can be the stars of the show, in my opinion. And little did they know that Kristen Wiig was going to come in, who to me is probably the greatest female cast member of all time. So when she comes in there, obviously not fully formed yet, but what a star from the beginning, like incredible to see. Yeah, she she really uh, popped off the screen. So 
I've heard you mention too, and I want to tie it here to Kristen Wiig, that you think that specifically, this is one of the great golden eras, but specifically season 32 is maybe the greatest season of all time. And Kristen had a lot to do with that. So what, I mean, you know, expand on your opinion about that era in season 32 in particular, and where did Kristen fit with that cast and then the overall picture? Yeah, look, I think every SNL season has their ups and downs. There's no perfect SNL season. I sort of feel that there's probably a few we haven't actually done on the SNL network ever like full season rankings, which maybe that's something we'll do (laughs) down the road. But I think like if you're going to talk about great seasons, you have to talk about like season three, which is probably the peak of the original cast, probably something like season 13 or 14, which is that peak of that second golden era. And I think season 32, was just this absolute like everything clicking and going right right before the season there was cast members who were let go due to budget cuts Rachel Dratch and Tina Fey left the show to go work on 30 Rock and basically the cast was a a small cast that was reminiscent of what you saw back at the early days of the show where this cast of you know 10 or 11 people were bonding together and particularly the women on the show where you had Maya and Amy and Kristen really excelled in all of their roles on the show and you know the season 32 discussion sort of goes hand in hand with my first sort of piece of evidence of why Kristen Wiig is so great and deserves to make the Hall of Fame, because this is sort of like the last point where you see other women on the cast throughout her era dominate alongside her. Mm. Instead, you know, pretty much after season 32, we get season 33, which is a writer's strike year. Maya Rudolph leaves the show after four episodes. Amy Poehler, a year later, gets pregnant, leaves the show soon after. And then we have this like barrage of like you know, female cast members who are very talented and we've seen them do great things off the show, but on Saturday Night Live, pretty much from the time uh, that Amy Poehler leaves until Kristen Wiig leaves a few years later, there is not a counterpart in terms of female cast members that I think comes anywhere near close to the level of Kristen. So she's like carrying the torch for a very strong part of the show for very many years. So that's sort of like my overall view of like her trajectory and timeline throughout uh, the seasons. Yeah, so we're talking uh, in that era like Michaela Watkins and Abby Elliott, Casey Wilson, very, as you mentioned, very talented performers who performers who have gone, gone on to do great things. But Kristen was such a force <laughs> on the show that that you're right. I mean, it's it's hard to to compete for certain roles on the show or, and and live up to maybe some of the standards that <laughs> Kristen set uh, on the show. So. And and the other thing, Thomas, is is she was with, like, some of the greatest male cast members of all time. So, you know, this it's like this. That's why the era, I think, for me was I consider a golden era because of the just like amount of amazing cast members that are probably in everybody's top 25 list all time, like that type of thing. But she really stands out for many years after the departure of Maya Rudolph and then eventually Amy Poehler, where she is putting together all of these characters, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, that, like for me, like growing up at the time when I was in high school, I mean, these were quotable characters that you would bring to school with you that we would laugh about and talk about and compare to. And I can't help but going through them today, having a smile on my face, even if you were maybe annoyed at how many times you saw them, they still make me laugh. Yeah, likewise. So uh, let's get into those characters. Actually, where do you where should we start? 
So for me, this is, I'll start with the ones that I think are, are more beloved over time that we haven't seen a million times. Uh, I would have to start with the two a-holes. I think this is the first character that I fell in love with when I saw it with Kristen. And this is a Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis hand in hand where they are playing these two, as you would say, a-holes who are chewing gum and talking to different hosts and being dicks. And they, this sketch was so funny to me and so like I said, quotable, that we were playing the a-holes all throughout high school, imitating them. And this is a character that unlike every, almost every other one that we saw, 2005 to 2008 was when Kristen Wiig played this eight times on the show. She was on the show four more years and we never saw it back. And this is a character that I think people are still clamoring to see, hoping that we're going to get one more two a-hole sketch down the road. And this one sticks out to me too, because it's more, it's a more subtle uh, Kristen Wiig uh, performance. I think her it shows kind of the subtleties that she could perform with as far as timing. A lot of a lot of what makes those sketches funny to me, and specifically with Kristen, was that they were timing jokes. You know, the you know there had to be a certain amount of pause between what Jason said and then how Kristen reacted to it. I mean, that was a lot of the joke was that she was aloof and didn't care and she was spoiled in a lot of ways, but she wasn't, it wasn't one of her huge cartoonish characters. And then that's actually something I highlighted too, especially in those early years. Two Way Holes debuted um, in early in season 31, like episode nine. And that's something that, that I highlighted too for, for the reasons that you said it. To me, it was, it was a very funny and somewhat crafted and subtle uh, Christian Wig performance uh, in the Two Way Holes. And people don't realize how hard it is to have dead air on SNL. You know, when, I, when I'm doing a podcast, let alone that, like I start to like, um, or like try and fill the air or the void if I'm like thinking about to say, and I know that they are rehearsing and reading lines and all that stuff, but really to craft a narrative or a character or a scene where they, you know, have to leave dead air because there's awkward tension is a real art form. And obviously we know how great Jason is, but you know, Jason and Kristen together, these are two amazing cast members. I want a big tray. We got, you guys got big trees. Yeah. We got trees up to 12 feet. All right. How big a tree you want, babe? That's back. Want something like that? Okay, well, that's not very big. It's bigger than that. Okay, so you want a two-foot Christmas tree. What street are we on? Yeah, where are we? Look, why don't you guys just look around, grab me when you find something you like, okay? I know what I want. Hey, dude, we got it. What do you want, babe? I changed my mind. I do want a big tray. Fine. How big? Seven, nine, eleven feet? What? Fifty. Yeah, they bounced off each other so, so well. Uh, also in season 31, and I want to tie this into you guys did a character countdown that I was fortunate enough to be a part of a couple of episodes. And actually, one of the episodes that I was a part of was the Target Lady. And rewatching the Target Lady, I think probably for good reason. I mean, what do you what do you have to say about the Target Lady? I think personally, the Target Lady is a, it's a really good character. I don't know that it's my personal favorite character because I don't know that there was enough nuance there. I think we discussed it on the show where I was complimentary of the target lady in terms of, you know, trying to figure out like, who is this person? Why do they work at Target? And there is some background there. I believe that uh, we did talk about Kristen auditioning with the target lady. So this is something that she definitely wanted to bring to the show and is one of the earlier characters. But I think that in comparison to some of her other characters, I think that there's more nuance in some of the other ones that we're going to see, especially some of the update characters too, where you really see like the psychology of some of the characters. Mm -hmm. Target lady, I guess you could see she's like kind of neurotic in a way. 
So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I have always struggled with Target Lady because I enjoy it, but I don't know if there's much like there to analyze beyond what you see on screen. I think she was more endearing to me on on rewatches than than maybe the first time around. I think that's that's something that Kristen does really well is she has a tendency to she she is a little polarizing, I guess, but there are a lot of her characters, they tend to uh, be a little endearing to me. And she actually has a really good she was on Mark Marin's podcast a few years back and she was talking about recurring characters and 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 her method behind that. And she says that they come from a place of love. Like she said the target lady may have been, you know, a bit overzealous, but that's because the the target lady loved what she was doing. So, so that, you know, just speaking about the target lady, that's maybe one of the things that stands out is I can tell that Kristen loves that character. She doesn't have any, any resentment or she's not like making fun of a lady like that necessarily. I think Kristen is approaching it uh, out of love. She's kind of making fun of over-enthusiasm in some ways, but that's relatively harmless uh, in the grand scheme of things. And I like elements of the Target Lady. I love mm-hmm. the opening of the the shot that we'd see from Donra King at the time, who would like give us that outside of the Target, and then it would be like, okay, it's a familiar thing. It sort of reminds me of my childhood and watching some sketch comedy from you know all that and the Amanda Show, where they would go to a certain scene that was familiar. Or you'd get like you know the the card pop up, or even like eighties SNL used to do this a lot with theme songs. You know, it, there was something familiar about the Target Lady that I really enjoyed. But I do find that that character is a little bit different than some of the other characters that I enjoyed more from Kristen, where the target lady is like a weird person. And what you're watching for in the sketch is like everything that's happening around the target lady and how the target lady is going to react to it. Whereas the characters that I think were more interesting to me was Kristen being the one to walk into the normal scene as the weird person and then affect everyone around her. So it's almost like a character affecting the outside players versus the outside players affecting the character. That makes uh, total sense. So so what's an example of a Kristen character uh, that jumps out to you? So I, I can think of two, really. I would start with Penelope, which was a character that we saw seven times on SNL between 2007 and 2010. And this is like the one upper character. And this is, you know, we would see this, I think a a classic example you would see on all like the Thanksgiving specials is the Anne Hathaway one, uh, where, you know, Mm. Penelope will walk into a scene. I also remember the Peyton Manning one. Like there was, there's a lot of good ones, but basically she walks in and cannot let anyone say anything good that's happened to them or anything that they're doing. Penelope always has to one up them and play with her hair. And then she would say these very ridiculous things only for them to then come true. And, you know, that was like the fun of the game was like, she would be like, okay, but actually I am like an alien and I am flying on a spaceship. And then like the alien spaceship would show up, you know, like that is, you know, it it was so brilliant in my opinion. And this was the character out of all of them that I would say was the most easily quotable where every girl I knew who was watching Saturn Live was doing Penelope at some point. Hi, everybody. Uh, Two announcements. One, I hope you're ready to boogie tonight. Uh, And two, while we wait for the bride and groom to arrive, we'd like you all to take your seats. Your salads have been served. I already ate my salads. It was my 10th salad today, so it was really good. So I have a salad bar in my car. So anyway... uh, The steering wheel is a big crouton, and it runs on blue cheese dressing. Is that a character that you feel... You know, if you had, if you did your own character countdown, would Penelope have possibly made the list? 
I would say so. Yeah. yeah, I would say that Penelope was pretty high up. And I would also say that uh, though I know that some people may have been tired of this character, I think Sue, the surprise lady, would also be pretty high up on my list because uh, this one was only done four times while she was a cast member, I believe, and then twice while she was a host. And Sue, the surprise lady who just can't keep it together when she finds out that there's a surprise and she's like running through the windows and breaking um, the sets and stuff like that. Very repeatable format. But this was something that was extremely relatable while I was in high school and I knew a ton of people who were having surprise parties at the time who could never keep it together. For me, I loved Sue. Like, this was amazing anytime I saw it on. Yeah, one of my favorite Sue's, I might have been the first one actually, was when um, her friend, uh, I forget who was playing her friend, but he was proposing there at like a, a Japanese restaurant. He was going to propose to to his girlfriend played by Casey Wilson. Now look, she thinks this is just going to be a casual dinner and just with family and friends. And she has no idea that I'm going to pop the question, okay? Hi. <laughs> Yeah, I bet she's gonna cry. My God! Here, a Yes. What's going on with you? I love surprises. God, I love being involved. God, I'm so, so freaking excited. I think we all know somebody who's similar to that. Who we all know somebody in our life who we can't tell anything to because we just know that they're gonna they're gonna blurt it out. Everybody, well, everybody knows it, that person. Thomas, this is like me on the SNL network now where I, I sometimes I am blessed to get some information from NBC and I like, I'm like, okay, uh, Miles Teller is hosting the first episode. I'm like, nope, keep mm -hmm. Miles, no, nope, keep it together. So that's, that's me. Yeah. I could tell that in your voice. You have a little more restraint probably yeah, than Sue does. You're not quite that person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are there any, uh, yeah. Where do we go from here? I mean, Kristen has so many characters that people love, you know, well, I think there's a few you others to narrow it down. Yeah. For sure. I think there's a few we have to talk about. Mm -hmm. um, you know, not at, like I said, like I could probably rank these at a certain point. I think that these were some were really great. Uh, I'll start with the ones that I really loved, honestly, because this is this is my podcast now. So I get to talk about it. Um, but uh, <laughs> let, let's talk about uh, Aunt Linda on sure. Weekend Update and Judy Grimes on Weekend Update, who were two of my favorite Weekend Update characters that we saw that she did. We're going to get like some Garth and Cat later, which I don't know if you want to talk about or not. But Aunt Linda and Judy Grimes to me were these two ladies that Kristen Wiig played on Weekend Update and Linda being a movie reporter and uh, Judy Grimes being like uh, like not being able to finish a sentence and just continuously doing one long sentence until she breaks. Some of the most amazing work that I've seen on SNL in terms of like the voices, the like word Olympics. I absolutely loved any time Kristen Wiig showed up to the update desk, especially in the early days of her on the show. It was very exciting. She brought this like energy there during like the Seth and Amy while they were still trying to figure it out and stuff like that. Like they, she came in and she crushed it on weekend update, like left me rolling. Aunt Linda specifically out of the two was one that I really highlighted when I was rewatching Kristen Wiig's sketches uh, because I was always one of those people who, and I think ultimately I'll, I'll get there, but ultimately I think this is actually a bit of a compliment to Kristen. I was one of those people who, who loved a lot of what she did and she's an all timer, but there were some things that didn't quite connect with me, which is fine. I mean, SNL by nature isn't going like to connect with, with everybody. So like um, Judy didn't connect with me. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Just, you know, I think part of it is, you know, 
maybe the first 30 seconds or a minute or something, I was on board. But then I started getting a little more anxious the more she would go on. And she weaved a she weaved a evocative tale <laughs> in what she would tell. But it would just take me down these. The, she would just digress so much where I would I was kind of feel myself like tense up a little bit uh, during. Uh, during her update pieces. Uh, but Aunt Linda is an example of on a rewatch, something that I connected with uh, a little bit more um, just because just something about the inflection in Kristen's voice, her hammy reactions to, to these movies. And I'm a sucker. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit because of Alex Moffat's departure and his Terry Fink character, but I'm kind of a sucker for like movie reviewer <laughs> types of types of characters on update or even when they would do it on Wayne's world. I think that's a, for some reason that kind of, that kind of format and character kind of hits me. So aunt Linda is an example of someone who I actually wasn't put off by. And I thought I might be a little bit, on a on a rewatch but i think that's a testament to Kristen. she I means she she fits the snl format perfectly where you might not connect with some things but you're just going to absolutely love love other things yeah that's fair and i would say like there's probably a couple characters who she played a lot on the show that never like fully clicked with me i would say like mindy elise grayson is an example of one that i don't think is like one of her better characters, but we saw that 10 times on the show. Uh, Garth and Cat is another, you know, update piece that together, I mean, it was it was kind of impressive at first where you're watching and you're trying to see them follow along with the lyrics. And then the joke is that they can't actually like come up with the lyrics properly while they're trying to follow each other. And just to you see Fred and, and Kristen try and keep it together. Um, you know, that to me, like that was fun. It probably wasn't like my favorite thing from them. Um, and then Gilly, I mean, that's, you know, we talked about a character that I think is you know like has this nuance to them where you get to see like this like secret crazy kid is there and uh gilly probably will will forte makes that sketch for me mm -hmm. but i look again you know we can go through some of these characters even more i mean i'll I should bring up one more before i get to my overall like point about some of these characters um even like a character like michelle dyson who you get to see earlier on do you do you watch this one? Oh, uh, I yeah no i love michelle dyson and she you know, she's the news reporter who her husband just left her so she ends up interviewing very attractive women uh, while she's on location doing news reports and she ends up flirting with them uh, anyway he came up to me pulled out a gun and pushed it in my face not your pretty face <laughs> I like it. Your face. Face it. Let's face it together. Let's face each other in the dark. I mean, uh, if it was dark and I had your face, I'd kiss myself. What, am I, what, what I'm saying is you have, you have good genes. And you have good genes. You look good in your genes. And it's so funny just to like watch it, uh, like see Kristen like manage that character and like when is she going to blurt something out and then Jason as the reporter being like keep it together. And they're like I said, the, the, the characters vary, but I think my overall point on Kristen is, is like you can check in to any episode of the Kristen Wiig era of the show and see like a fun character from Kristen. It really made SNL feel familiar and to me, 
I would say like if you had to build in a lab the perfect SNL cast member, I think Kristen sort of fits all of those boxes. The fact that she can do characters, she can do impressions, which we didn't even talk about. I mean, she does like a really good, like I think of her Bjork, Drew Barrymore, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, Susie Orman, Taylor Swift. Like yeah. she did a bunch, she's not the greatest impressionist, but she has that like in terms of like, if she is, I don't know if you, Thomas, if you ever play like Madden or like one of the mm-hmm. like uh, sports games, whatever, but sure. like if you get a look at her like intangibles or tangibles where you go through like out of a hundred, like how much she has on each thing like i think like characters like 100 out of 100 like update probably like 85 to 90 out of 100 impressions probably like 75 out of 100 like i mean she is just like a top notch she probably has like a 98 rating on madden if she was one of those people yeah she checks so many boxes and one thing too that stood out to me was i think she could have been a great silent film actor like mm. just the way, you know, and I, I actually do have an example, but there's the, like, the way she doesn't have to speak <laughs> during a sketch, just her mannerisms and her looks and her movements. I think she could have been a really great silent film actor. And I actually wanted to, before I give you the specific sketch I was thinking of, I wanted to play a, a game with you. I'm going to spring a okay. game on you. All right. It's two yeah. truths and a lie. I think you're familiar with two truths and a lie. Sure. Okay. So... For the listeners at home, I'm going to name three statements uh, or three things, and two of two of which are true, one of which is false. John's going to have to spot spot the false one. So in season 34, she's in a digital short with Andy Samberg and Will Forte called Extreme Activities Competition. I don't know if you remember this. You might. I think so. You think so? All right. So in this sketch, she and Andy Samberg compete in activities so so they're each they're doing extreme activities and will forte is the referee and so they're being scored on these activities so i'm going to name three activities uh in this sketch and one of it which is false so did they compete in human atm did they compete in banana phone or did they compete in act casual i think i have some memory of human atm and act casual Mm-hmm. But I don't have memory of banana phone. So okay. that's what I'm going to go with. Final answer, Thomas. All right. You don't have memory of banana phone because it did not happen in <laughs> in this sketch. So so that was an example. There was, there was no dialogue uh, in this extreme activities competition sketch. It was just uh, Andy Samberg, Kristen Wiig, and Will Forte doing these activities set to uh, this this upbeat kind of music and it was just so I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. I mean, Andy's a great performer, but Kristen is just the way she moves her hips. They're doing this uh, competition uh, just called do this, which is kind of like a shoulder shimmy and just the way Kristen's moving uh, when she gets angry, when she loses one of the competitions and she's just kicking and screaming when she's yelling at Will Forte, one of the activities is hate the referee. So there he, she's yelling at Will Forte as the referee and she just does such a great job of just physical comedy where she doesn't even have to have any dialogue it's really great and we didn't even talk about her with will forte and some of their characters oh which, gosh uh, yes. i know i don't want the listeners yelling at us but uh, we cannot forget about vicky mcgruber's sidekick of course mm-hmm. that we saw many times after maya rudolph's character passed away and then jackie snad and clancy t baccalaureate which we got to see this past season when will forte hosted the show and uh, they came back for their third time she 
really connected with actually a lot of that cast. Uh, Andy Samberg, she had a lot of connection with. We already mentioned she worked well with Jason Sudeikis. And here's another example. I mean, Will Forte, she she showed that she could get a little weird (laughs) along with Will Forte, (laughs) showing her versatility. Definitely. So yeah, uh, for me, I, I think that that is, it would be fascinating to do the thought experiment of like, what if she had stronger female counterpoints beyond season, you know, 32, 33, 34, even just a little bit, and how that would have worked out. But I wonder if maybe this is exactly the way it was supposed to go, because she's so dominant on the screen that, you know, she's best to like do her own characters in that way. It's kind of a shame to me, not a shame they did this by design, but she and Kate McKinnon overlapped by just a handful of episodes. Right. Yeah, and, and, and like, I mean, it would have been lucky. wonderful. To, yeah, that was ahead. lucky. Like we all look back on that and we're like, oh, yeah, the great, great decision. SNL. And it was. But they got lucky that Kate ends up being like one of the greatest cast members of all time as well, that the transition sort of like was a little smooth because not every decision that they've made in the history of the show has worked out that easily where they replace somebody with somebody clearly. And it doesn't always click. Like I think of like Michael McKeon and and, like Phil Hartman, for example, like, you know, they're always trying to look for the next big thing to replace that cast member. In this case, it actually worked. It was impressive. Yeah. I would have loved to see her even, you know, get paired up with somebody like A.D. Bryant or Cecily Strong. You're right. Just have another anchor right there to, to, to work with and bounce, bounce things off of. We did a little bit when she's come back to host, which by the way, sure. No we didn't even get to talk about the fact that she's hosted the show four times. So mm-hmm. uh, if you count, obviously, that at home episode, which SNL seems to do. So for me, uh, also, like, you know, going to probably be in the five-timers club at some point. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so, uh, for sure. I want to go back to the idea of, you know, thinking of this like a Madden game, and she's checking all sorts of boxes, and she can do these huge outlandish characters. Uh, she She's a good team player. Um, I had mentioned that I think she could be a great silent film actor. Uh, she, there was also a moment there, and a lot of times this popped up maybe earlier in her SNL tenure, where she played a good straight person. So she didn't always have to be the weirdo or the the, the outlandish person in the sketch. There were moments that popped out to me. Uh, for example... There's a sketch called Am I a Crazy Street Person, which was a game show. <laughs> and she was the straight person to Forrest Whitaker, Fred Armisen, Will Forte, and Keenan Thompson uh, in that sketch. I mean, she, she, she just played it totally calm. Is that the outfit you wear in space? I don't like your tone. <laughs> What's your favorite animal at the zoo? The bully bear. It's a creature I brought back from Mars. Half bear, half garbooly bean. I don't need my last question. All right, well, let's write down your answers. Spaceman or crazy street person? Hmm. All right, Claire guessed crazy and Alex guessed spaceman and also my hero. <laughs> Right, and the answer was crazy. Claire, what gave him away? Uh, well, he's wearing a tin foil helmet, uh-huh. and he yelled at me. Yeah. And there's no such thing as a spaceman. She didn't need to be bombastic for to have a funny delivery. Uh, so, so that to me, she could have she could have played a lot more straight roles or as many straight roles as she wanted to, and really stood out uh, all the same. I think so, too. I don't want to take away from or diminish any of that 
as well. And I also think, by the way, if you go back to that first episode that she was in, her first ever sketch on the show is a sketch called The Soaking Wet Killer with mm-hmm. her and Jason Sudeikis and Jason Lee. And she does play it straight there. And she is excellent in that first sketch on the show, like really impressive debut. I think she has it in her, but she also has these incredible characters that she plays. And uh, like, you can't help but look at them and stand out based on the fact that her era, her era on the show was a character driven era and she led the way. I mean, she was in a perfect era for her big characters. I think she could have fit in well uh, with the first few seasons of SNL because like with, you know, playing with Gilda Radner uh, and, and, and those people. I mean, I think her characters would have fit in well when, you know, the first few seasons of SNL, even in the early 90s, when they highlighted the big, huge characters as well. I think she would have been great transcending eras like that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I do see elements of of Gilda Radner. I see some Jane in her. I probably see a little bit of Jan Hooks as well. I would say there's like elements in there as well. I don't think it's a complete derivative. So like some of the other uh, cast members where you could sort of make a line from the beginning of the family tree all the way down to the 2000s. But I think in this case, yeah, there are elements of other cast members, but I really feel like they sort of like built this machine that came onto SNL and destroyed everybody. And you you said, you know, she's hosted Three or four times, depending on if you count the at-home episode. We'll say four times, uh, since SNL counts it. What's been your reaction whenever she's been announced as host, being such a big fan and of, of this era and of her? I'm thrilled. Like it, yeah. it awakens this like childhood dream of mine, just to get more of the thing that I loved. You know, like I don't know if you know anyone's listening can relate, but like you you have these like I'm, I'm extremely television oriented in my entire life like probably since I was younger if I had a show that I liked like I loved that show and anytime I go back to like watching like Friends or 24 or, like some other shows that I really like I mean those are shows that are, like just like make me happy like if I'm sad I'm having a bad day like that those shows make me happy because I get to like watch something from my childhood that I really enjoyed and the era that Kristen was on SNL did exactly that for me. Like I go back to a place of like being with my friends in high school and like before, you know, maybe we're going to go out after the show even sometimes, but like we're, we're watching SNL at somebody's house or no matter what we knew, like, okay, it's a new SNL this week. We can't wait to see what happens. We would like talk on um, messenger chat every single week about the new sketches and all that stuff. And so, yeah, when Kristen Wiig's name pops up, like similar to last season during 47, when Sudeikis and Forte's name pop up, it's it awakens this like childhood joy in me that's unlike anything else about, you know, I want to I want to be realistic and know that it's not going to be a season 32 episode of the show, but just give me like a little bit of season 32 and I'll be very happy. Right. And I think a lot of the the cast members in the show uh, currently and even some of the new ones are of a similar age to you and of that era where they grew up watching Kristen Wiig's era and loving her character. So, so I get the impression that it's such a thrill for them as cast members being able to work with her uh, when she hosts and, and when she does, when she goes back to do, cause she does, when she hosts, she goes back to a lot of those characters, a lot of like the main sort of outlandish characters. Like she does secret word. Uh, I know she's done that. She's done the Sue character when she's come back to host. And I think the, it seems like the, the current cast members really get a, a kick out of that when she, when she comes back. I would die. Like if I was an <laughs> SNL cast member now and like, I'd love Kristen. And then she like came back and she was like, do you want to be in the Sue sketch with me? Like, yes. Like, you know, these are like, <laughs> these are watched by like millions and millions of people and shared with your friends. 
and then look, anybody who listens to me on the SNL network on a weekly basis knows how much I believe characters are important to Saturday Night Live. And this is the current era of recurring concepts, not the era of recurring characters. But perhaps as there have been a lot of changes going into 48, we can bring elements of that back and bring some characters to the show because I think the show could sprinkle a little Chris and Wig on its current uh cake that they've built for the season and i think it would be all the better for it no i'm absolutely with you i think a healthy dose it would be would be the operative uh word for but i think you do need the show like this you need some recurring characters that's kind of what, like the backbone that's kind of what the show's history is built on in a lot of ways uh is those recurring characters so yeah i i mean Kristen is is so great uh, as far as that goes. Uh, anything we we glossed over need to hit before you sort of make your final case for Kristen Wiig to be in the SNL Hall of Fame? Well, definitely. And I mean, I'm, I'm sort of like waiting for you, Thomas, to get mm-hmm. bring out the entire band and, and everything. And uh, I could use some like Mick Jagger, maybe some Arcade Fire, Foo Fighters, Jeff Beck to come in to uh, play He's a Rainbow for me. But yeah, of course, we have to talk about She's a Rainbow, which is uh-huh. Kristen Wiig's goodbye to SNL. <laughs> over this past seven years. She got held back. So our music department got together and prepared a song to say goodbye. This one's for you. You you could debate it a little bit. I mean, Phil's goodbye was really great, but uh, Kristen Wiig's goodbye was probably the most memorable memorable goodbye in the history of Saturday Night Live, where we had legends in the music world, every cast member, former cast members, random cameos all appearing together. Like just like I would venture to say probably the most amount of people that have ever been in an SNL segment together as we see Kristen Wiig dancing with all of her friends mm-hmm. on the show while uh, She's a Rainbow is being played. She's we get this like really infamous moment of Kristen Wiig dancing with Lauren Michaels. It is truly like the goodbye of all goodbyes on the show. And I don't think it's something we're actually ever going to see again on Saturday Night Live. And to me, it sort of is the final you know, button on or the final stamp on Kristen's career, which is like, if you as a viewer don't believe that Kristen Wiig is a Hall of Famer, well, look at Saturday Night Live because they clearly acknowledge how amazing Kristen was on the show. She's been given like acknowledgments from the show that are not usually given in that type of like meta way where they they full on admit how much how great she is, you know, so I'll make my final case to you in a moment. But I, I just have to bring up that last, you know, she's a rainbow sketch. Yeah, that just shows how you're right, how beloved Kristen is and was uh, throughout people who know SNL's history. Lorne Michaels, of course, uh, just absolutely seems like he absolutely adores her. And uh, yeah, I think I think we watch this show, we watch SNL to 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 have fun, right? And to experience an element of joy and and to forget about whatever else might be going on. And I think Kristen more than most cast members in the history of the show was an always reliable uh, in delivering that kind of joy, that kind of fun. So whether or not 
you got tired of X, Y, and Z recurring character. I think that's missing the point of just the pure joy and fun that Kristen brought to the show. I think she's brilliant. And she, you know, just in terms of like any criteria you would use to vote for the SNL Hall of Fame, to me, like she's like 11th all time in sketch appearances on the show. So like she's has the statistics to back up her claim to being one of the greats character wise, probably the most like the strongest like if you brought in like a CV to a job, like she has like the experience of it, having every possible character on the show. Like it's just jam packed about her experience and character driven stuff. She's clearly able to be an impressionist. She blended into an era that I, I would say she led an era really that is considered one of the top eras in the history of the show. She's beloved by her peers, by a lot of the viewers, by the producers at the show. And I think that any time she is on SNL, she makes it better. So for me, she is a no-brainer Hall of Famer. And the SNL Hall of Fame would be, like, worse not to have her in it. Like, to me, this is no question. I tend to agree with John there. I, I, I think it's a slam dunk. I think it's a it's an absolute no-brainer. Now, he says off the top of the episode, though, that there's controversy. And he's more plugged into the SNL community than I am. Although, you know, I feel like I'm relatively plugged in. I did not know there was so much controversy you know, where Kristen Wiig was concerned in terms of her legacy. Uh, to me, her legacy is, is it, it's indescribable, as you can tell by my inability to describe it. <laughs> um, let's go to a sketch right now. This is one of her most... Uh, Endearing characters, uh, as discussed in the conversation between between John and Thomas. Uh, this is Penelope. Uh, more specifically, this is Penelope's Thanksgiving. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Mary. I just want to thank you so much for volunteering at St. Angel's Thanksgiving Soup Kitchen. These dinners are so fun. Last year, we ate and laughed and partied. And, and, and it was so hard that we, we didn't get out of here until like 8.30. I'm talking p.m. Well, I'm Lisa, and it's my first time doing this. I'm excited. And I'm Lou. And seeing all these wonderful faces here today, it really warms my heart. It warms my heart, too. So... <laughs> Mine's burning a lot, though. It's like a little ball of fire under my bra. I can't say the Pledge of Allegiance or I'll burn my hands. So I guess my heart's a little warmer than yours. Oh, thank you, uh, Penelope, was it? Oh, good. Well, um, as I was saying, Thanksgiving is a special time for me. Um, interesting fact, thanks to Ancestry.com, I just found out that I had relatives come over on the Mayflower. My relatives came over on the April Flower. <laughs> so they got here one month before yours is. All right. Good to know. Uh, oh, well, I can see that people are starting to arrive, so I'm going to open the doors. And uh, everybody, let's get our aprons on. <laughs> oh, come on in. Come on in. 
Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. Happy Turkey Day. It's for Thanksgiving. Happy Valentine's Day. Just happy first of Happy Fourth of July. Probably get to see a lot of fireworks because you live outside. Penelope. No, I think I've got this covered, but why don't you go over there and help serve the corn? <sighs> Mashed potatoes? Yeah, please. They're my favorite. <laughs> oh, well, then maybe I can sneak you a little extra. Oh, I'll you. sneak you extra too. Some corn. I'm just gonna give you a little more than she did. Give you a little more. I'm just gonna give you a little more than she did. Oh wow! I am thankful for you, lady. <laughs> oh, Penelope, oh, what are you doing? You can't give that much corn to one person here. Well, don't be so hard on her. She means well. Well, oh, well, fine, but 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 just don't bring out any more big silverware, okay? <laughs> <gasps> Pastor Mike, it's so good to see you. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Wow, look at all these turkeys. And there's food here, too. <laughs> oh, oh, Pastor Mike, you tell such good jokes. Oh, thank you very much. Oh, thing on. I took good jokes, too. <laughs> Did you guys hear the one about the peanut who went into Central Park? It was assaulted. <laughs> That's my time, been a great crowd. Well, uh, thank you, Penelope. Anyway, Pastor Mike, I saved you a drumstick. Oh, don't mind if I do. Mm. And we have a chance to come by my table and say hi. The whole family's here, all three of us. My family's here, too. So. And there's six of us, so like double bigger than yours. So they're right over there. So. Excuse me, uh, Mary. <clears throat> Some of the people were wondering if we could turn up the volume on the football game. Oh, of course, no problem. I'd be happy to do that. I'm already doing it, so I'm just going to turn it up a little louder than you would have. Just doing it if Pastor Mike wasn't here, I'd kick that girl in the giblets. Oh, she's just being helpful. Well. Oh! That's the longest pass I've ever seen. Yo, what's Sanchez doing? No one's in the end zone. Who is that? It's me. I caught it. Touchdown. Thank you, Laura. What is happening? Does anyone want this football? I can't play anymore. I just tested positive for steroids. <laughs> She's ruining this entire day. She's acting like she's the, the queen of Thanksgiving. I am the queen of Thanksgiving, so I now dub the Sir Waddle of Gobblot, so congratulations. Really, Penelope, really? You are the queen of Thanksgiving? Well, I'm the uh, president of Wednesdays, and, uh, and, and you know what else? I drive a tanning bed to work. And, and if I clap three times, a wiener dog appears, and oh, my dad's a chocolate chip. And you know what else? If I want to relax, I just turn myself into a pot of soup. So, what do you mean about me? Well, I guess all I can say is that my tanning bed drives me to work, so I can read the paper and have my coffee. And if I clap twice, all the dogs in the world get an extra wiener. And my dad's a chocolate chip cookie, so your dad is baked inside him. And when I want to relax, I shrink into a pot of soup and float around and use a celery stick as a raft, so. I don't even know why I'm wasting my time with you. This is a day of thanks, and you made it all about you. Oh, Mary, calm down. Okay, just try to have some food and relax. You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, Mary, I think we have a situation over here. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Or anything. I'm thankful five, which is just a little bit more than you. So more thankful than everyone else. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Turkey Day. That was Penelope. And, you know, uh, if, if that's her only character that she ever bakes into the show, the cookie that is SNL, that's a delicious morsel, you know? But she did so much more. 
and uh, as such, likely deserves to be rewarded. So have you registered it? Registered it? <laughs> have you registered to vote? If you haven't, it's really easy. Anything you see that you click on from this uh, organization, anything that's clickable has built right into the link a spot where you can register to vote. And by registering to vote, you're basically uh, giving me your firstborn and uh, three pints of your blood. No, uh, no. All you do is you just go in and register. <laughs> you just say that you want to be uh, reminded when the time comes to vote for this thing. That's that's it. It's it's really quite easy. So there's that. Chris uh, and Wig, what do you think? Slam dunk? I don't know. This whole controversy thing has me wondering now. This whole Hall of Fame has me wondering. You know, last week we talked about Paul Appel. And I don't know. Paul Appel deserves to be in the SNL Hall of Fame. But does she make it this year? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's going to be fabulous. I cannot wait. But that's what I've got for you this week. So as you uh, walk down the hallway past the weekend update exhibit and make a right at the llamas, if you do me a favor, turn out the lights because the SNL Hall of Fame is now closed. Thanks for listening to the SNL Hall of Fame podcast. Make sure to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on social media at SNLHOF. This is Doug Denant saying, this is Doug Denant saying, see you next week. Podcasts and such.